Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody here this morning. I know I'm interrupting you again. That's your job. Good to see all of you here, though. Now, we are in Second Peter, and we're in chapter two. So we were. Let's see. We were in Second Peter, chapter two. And we were looking at verses 1 through 3. We we're actually ready for question 4, but let's just recap those verses since it's just 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom... The way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. So we were looking at question four. How will such teachers exploit people? And he answers us there in uh, verse three by covetousness, with deceptive words, right? He will deceive, we will be deceived. If we allow such to deceive us, we would be deceived through deceptive words and by covetousness. You might see a lot of that today where they're appealing to people's uh, kind of greed, materialism. They appeal to people that way to draw, yes. This version says fabricated stories. Because we see a lot of fabricated stories right we see a, a lot of things where they are trying to persuade people with with things that are false that are untrue with fabricated stories I had okay I didn't see that but that's that's good that's the, NIV. that's the NIV okay so that's the NIV that says fabricated stories which that goes along with deceptive words. That's not true. Does anyone have anything else on that? Well, only that it says yes. it does not slumber, so don't expect it to stop anytime soon. Their destruction does not slumber, right. Well, yeah, it, you know it says for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber, so yeah. Um, I take I take that kind of two ways. I don't think their judgment has totally been idle either. We've seen some of them rise and fall and go through a lot of troubles. I think they I think they bring a lot of troubles on themselves. But uh, but yeah. When we think about who is behind all that, he's not idle. Right. He's the one that's the uh, roaring lion, lion, and he's prowling around and trying to. Deceive people, father wise. Right. Satan is always trying to deceive us, deceive people. Um, and false teachers are one, that's really probably one of the better ways to deceive us and get us off track. And of course, they're, you're mentioning they're not slumbering. Well, they're not slumbering because they are, they're wanting that income, whatever they're getting out of it. That's what they, that's what they're after. So, yeah. All right, so um, 
Next, we'll look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. This is 4 through 11. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, now remember that it, he's starting off for if, you know, regarding what he just said about, uh, about uh, the false teachers. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, they are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. So with those verses in mind, and, and just I just uh, want us to always remember this is a letter and he's, you know, everything he's talking about kind of flows together. We break it up for studying purposes, but... It's all relating to what he said before. If we look at uh, question five, what three examples does Peter use to illustrate the doom of false teachers? He mentions like three dooms, we'll say, in these verses. Well, one is the angels that fell. One is the angels who sinned and were cast down to hell. Right, they, they fell. <laughs> Another one is uh, the preaching of Noah before the flood. Right. The, 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 the ancient world was destroyed by the flood. And Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of their evil. And Sodom and Gomorrah were turned to ashes. Those are the three dooms he specifically mentions. And then, let's see, if we look at question number six, how was Lot oppressed by living in Sodom? There's quite a lot of answers you could give for that, but uh, if you think about it, the verse says, every day seeing and hearing the filthy conduct of the wicked, right? Because when we see, I mean, I, I'm sure all of you feel the same way. When we see some of the, some of the awful things that go on that happen, it it kind of jars us. It kind of shocks us. It, it kind of hurts us in ways. I mean, we're, how do people do that? Why do people do that? You know, we, we can't understand it. And, and, uh, Lot, it says he's a righteous man living there among them. I would imagine that he had a whole lot of that going on. It would just, it would just bother you day in and day out, the things you would see. So if we look at question seven, 
What two things does the Lord know to do? And he mentions this in verse 9. Right, the Lord knows how to deliver us from the temptations and also to protect us, yeah. And it mentions to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So he knows both, he, he does both those things. Now, if we look at question eight, who in particular will receive such punishment? Well, according to my version, it says according to the those who walk according to the to the flesh, in the lust of the uncleanness and in the style of sorrow, they the presumptuous self will and not afraid to speak evil or dignitaries. In other words, they're very evil. Right. It's it's as it says in verse ten here, it says those who walk in uncleanness or according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self willed, and they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries or authorities, you might say. And then in the next they really make uh, Peter really makes a, sort of a comparison. If you look at the next question too, number nine, what are angels unwilling to do? They're not, they won't accuse them before the Lord. And if you look at verse 11, like Addie's saying, they will not bring reviling accusations against, it says dignitaries, you can think of that as authorities, those in authority again before the Lord. And really, it's kind of a tough lesson for us, I'm sure. Um, well, I won't speak for you, but I know I have been guilty of not being happy with some of our <laughs> leaders and authority. So um, it's just one of those things. We should pray for them. And if we don't have anything else to say, you know, being silent is wisdom sometimes. <laughs> so uh, we should pray for them, though. It's not that we can't disagree with them or even say that we disagree, but but how we talk about people matters, and, you know, what we say. Did y'all have anything else on this? All right. So if we uh, look at question 10, how does Peter further describe the false teachers? Oh, wait. Did I skip ahead? I skipped ahead. Okay, so we have to read some verses here. I apologize. So let's read verses 12 through 17 in Second Peter. This is chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. But these... He's continuing on talking about the, the false teachers. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own corruption, and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery 
and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now we can look at question 10. And how does Peter further describe the false teachers? And there's a number of things here in these verses. Yeah, he says like natural brute beasts to be caught and destroyed, right? They speak evil of things they do not understand. And they're very bold about it. They are very bold about it, right? That's part of, I think that's part of how they take people right. in. That's just part of their makeup, so to speak. Right. That's part of the act. Very bold and brazen. Yep. Browsing in their own Yes, carousing in their own deception, right. They are, I guess we could think of that as, uh, what, celebrating, partying in their own deception? Yes, kind of haughty and arrogant about it. Right, right, and happy with it, you know, happy about it, happy with it. Right, they count it, says they count it as pleasure to do so. Um and then their eyes, their eyes are full of adultery, meaning that they're, you know, they're covetous, they're coveting the wrong things, they're desiring the wrong things, they're looking at all these, at all these things. Their hearts have, let's see, they have trained their hearts in covetousness and are accursed children. So quite a bit, quite a bit there. They cannot cease from sinning. Right. They are they are fully trapped and caught into it. Yeah. So they have basically been taken captive, which well, I think we'll get into that too. Uh, that's in the upcoming verses. So if we look at uh, question 11 then, in whose way have such false teachers followed? And he gives us this one example from the Old Testament. Balaam. Balaam, right? Balaam. Balaam, and you remember the story of uh, Balaam, basically. Uh, Balak, I think that was the king of Moab, was uh, asking him to come out and curse the children of Israel. And, of course, you know, God was telling him, uh, you, you don't do that. So he couldn't do that. So he would bless them instead, and it would aggravate Balak and... You know, there was, there was a whole thing going on. He was trying to do that to earn money, I guess, or to earn the riches from, uh, from Balak that he was being promised. But of course, uh, God wouldn't let him curse them. So that didn't work out for him. So there's this comparison here that they too are, you know, they're trying to do the wrong things. They're, they love the wages of unrighteousness. They want to be, they want to be, paid for doing wrong. And 
really, uh, to me, I think of it as a lot of times their their motivation is for that that uh, ungodly gain, that money, that's greed. You know, wanting to make a living off of deceiving people. So let's see if we look at question twelve. How else does Peter describe these false teachers in verse 17? They're all about water, and it's just like they're empty clouds, just like we see clouds many times, and you think we're going to get rain. No, they go on. Yep. They're just empty clouds. Right, right. Okay, so yeah, that's right. They are wells without water, clouds just carried by that seem to be saying they're going to rain and they don't rain, nothing happens, nothing, you don't get anything out of them. Um, that, it's kind of funny, but that's like a promise, you know, uh, wells without water in those clouds. It's like a promise of refreshing water or something good that you're going to get, but it's all empty and there's nothing there. And, yep. Um, it also says, for whom the gloom of darkness is reserved. Let's see, my... Um, now, my translation says it a little differently. It says, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. But regardless of how your translation says it, um, they're not going to heaven. That's the end of that. Yes? So we're talking about false teachers. Mm -hmm. Well, we probably could if you look at some of the yeah if you look at some of the te televangelists who I mean just to be blunt about it if you look at the bakers now whether or not they started out good and meant well originally I don't know but at least they got to that point where they were just all about the money and the greed and that was that's very unfortunate but that's true. Like for instance. Yes. Yeah, his ministry is really huge. No, I didn't know they. I didn't know that he didn't believe in baptism. Huh? I did not know that. See, you learned. I, I just didn't know. So, yeah, he's from he's from North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina, but I didn't know that. I didn't know he didn't believe in baptism. I thought. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was a strong Christian at one time, and now he's really gone off the deep end. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not familiar with these people. See, that's that's my problem. If I'm not familiar with these people, I personally can't really judge them. Now, you can discern using the Word of God whether or not someone is teaching something true or not. And they may just be an error or mistaken, or they could be on purpose doing something wrong. So yeah, I don't know. Did you want to? Yeah, the Osteens.
Space Healer. Um, Rex Humbard? Yeah. Okay. Oh, and Ernest Angley. Okay. Yeah, and see, I'm not very familiar with them either. I think I've heard those names, but I don't know. I've always felt kind of odd about the, the television evangelists. Yes. I, I couldn't hear. Was it talking about uh, uh, Graham? Billy Graham is what is who Eileen had mentioned. Right, they, they didn't okay. believe in baptism. They they had a they in Harrisburg, and I took the kids away, and uh, uh, they were mostly baptized except Travis, the youngest one. Uh, he went forward to them, and it was it was a, a, a kind of a teenager that they sent to talk to him, but. He told him he didn't need to be baptized, and Travis wasn't baptized then until he was probably 30. Oh, okay. So they so, did tell him so that. they do not, uh, she's correct, they, they, uh, they discourage Travis. So they don't believe it's necessary, even though they were doing it. That's kind of weird, but okay, uh, yeah. I mean, That's my personal experience. I thought I would add to it. Yeah. Well, it's mentioned so many times in the Bible that we need to be baptized. And yes, it's not mentioned every time, but then you'll see in Acts every time that someone is brought in, they are baptized. You'll see that they are, you know, that that's what happens. So, I mean, the overwhelming proof to me from the Bible is that, yes, we need to be baptized. We need to do that. So I... I don't know. rather be baptized than not. I mean, I would be baptized again if I thought I needed to, or if it would discourage you from being baptized. Right. I'd say my own personal thoughts would be regardless of what you're telling me, I am going to be baptized because it's too late when you get to the judgment day if you were supposed to be baptized. Right. You don't know that. Better. Well, Better safe than sorry. I, I think someone that is, you know, inter, uh, moved enough to go forward, um, eventually they're going to realize that they need to be baptized. Maybe not then, but if they dig deep enough into the Word of God, they will become baptized. You can't stop someone if they want to be baptized. Right. I mean, from your own experience, when you went forward and said you wanted to be baptized, there, there's a force behind you that just can't stop you. You, you will go forward. Like, <laughs> right, you want to... As I mentioned, but it's actually discouraged. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I mean, when you go forward, you're wanting to follow the Lord. And to me, I was thinking of his example that he was baptized. That's something that when I was when I was a kid, that's one thing they taught. And I was in a Baptist church, and people say some Baptists don't believe in baptism, but we did then. So I don't know about now, but um, but the American Baptist does for sure. Yeah, we I, that our little church did. They believed in baptism, and that was one of the things. I mean, that's that's one of the things you heard every Sunday was being was being baptized was coming to the Lord. I mean, they 
The, the one thing they really knew was you needed to come to the Lord and be baptized. And you need to pray and repent for your sins. Now, whether I don't remember. I was young. I don't remember everything else they taught about, but they knew those things. So, did you have something, Addie? Yeah, I forgot where it was. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, we can put names to false teachers if we know them, if we know that's what, you know, what they're doing. Cookie? And there's so many times that people, they don't believe in the baptism, only be saved. Right, and there are, there was, I remember, and I guess there's, I guess this is still going on, there was this thought of just, Praying to be saved, like praying the sinner's prayer. I, I vaguely see where some of that comes from, but that's really, I, I always thought, well, I always believed we were supposed to repent, right? Repent to be saved and be baptized. I have family that says you only need to be saved. Yeah, um, but... Well, but we'll see that in there, Jesus says to be saved, we have to repent and be baptized, right? So he's saying there's two things. So if we say we just do the first thing, anyway, I mean, I have to go by what Jesus says more than more than anything else. They need the whole gospel. Yeah, they need the whole gospel, yeah. And John the baptized. Well, yeah, John was baptizing people before Jesus even started his ministry, so. Yeah. Yes, he was saying repent and be baptized, and, and so he started that, really. Um, and, and, of course, we know John, really. So that really came from God, the fact that he started that before Jesus started his ministry. You know, before they had television, there was radio. Right. And... I had a friend of mine, uh, she told me that, she told me that her mother listened to the programs on the radio, you know, <coughs> spiritual programs, and they, and they would say that all you had to do was, if you, how was that, if you would just put your hand on the radio, you would be saved. Put your hand on the radio and you'd be saved. Okay, I've never, I've not heard that. But that's what they were preaching. Yeah. Just put your hand on the radio and you'll be saved. Well. Well, not the old-fashioned. Now you have to do it on the TV. Yeah, now it'd have to be on the TV or or maybe on your computer if you're watching YouTube. You know, maybe. I've never heard that one, but I don't listen to things anymore. That's yeah. Right. You know, and yet and yet they're deceived and that's Right. Yeah, that's the sad part is that people are deceived by these things. Right. Did you have anything? My nephew was just re baptized last week no, week before last, uh in the Church of Christ that he goes to the Lord Church. But he thought he was scripturally saved and scripturally baptized from where he was going. And something came up, and I said something, and I just talked to your preacher and get into your Bible. 
So evidently he did both, and so he was rebaptized. So he's rebaptized just to be sure. I mean, if you're not, if you don't, if you're not sure if you've been baptized correctly, yeah, you that's what I told definitely. You. I mean, check it out for yourself. We could be baptized as many times as you want. That's not going to hurt you, even if even if you found out you didn't really need it. Yes, Cookie. I was rebaptized. I was baptized originally over here across the road, and I went there for a while, and then I I knew it wasn't right, and I came over here, and I went here, and then Daniel rebaptized. Okay. I regretted one minute. Oh no, no. No, I was rebaptized really just before I started coming, just before I really came, actually. Okay. Uh, he was, but I got to thinking about my baptism, and I knew it wasn't completely right. It, and I did it. <clears throat> so, between... So you didn't feel they... Him talking to me and Tim McPherson. So you didn't feel they baptized you correctly. What did they, what did they do... I mean, you didn't feel they baptized you correctly. I'm just wondering what, what did they do? Well, it was it was a young new preacher for for that, and and I remember my dad saying it wasn't completely under. Okay, and uh, I mean that was what. I, uh, I mean, I heard him say that, and then when after I recalled that, that was the biggest part of it oh. that I just. I just knew I needed to. Well, definitely, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being rebaptized, especially if you think it was incorrect or not, you know, not done correctly or in the right spirit. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm not sure everything else might have been okay, but, but just, just remembering that my dad had said that he didn't think I was completely under. That's what I went on. Okay, so you didn't feel like you had really been submerged properly. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, definitely. Yes, Jane? It is odd, and it is disturbing because there's no, like you say, it's a very easy thing to get baptized. There's no real reason that anyone, I mean, that's one. That's something you need to do to save your eternal soul, soul to give you eternity. That should not be, that's not too much to ask, right? Just like you're saying, it's not too much to ask. But I think we get stubbed up in our human minds that, well, getting wet ain't going to make me any different. That's not, you know, we get this thinking and we get this stubbornness and this, re, well, this kind of rebellious attitude and we don't want to do what we need to do. If, if we're not obeying God and we're not willing to be baptized, I mean, that does show, that does show a problem, I suppose, because it is that easy just to get baptized. Well, it's the same with taking the 
of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. And people can reduce it to, well, what's the difference if I drink some grape juice and have some unleavened bread? What's that going to do? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's a very simple, um, there's, there's very little required. Right. It's not some big fabulous thing that you need to do. And, and it is, you know, but again, that's what we're commanded to do. And it is a sober, you know, we are to remember. And, and you know, the, being buried in baptism, it, 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 there is a significance there. Right. But it is, it, it's mind-boggling sometimes that, that these simple things that are required, we can't, we can't like you say, our mind is just, we cannot we, see the truth. Right, right. As people, sometimes we get rebellious about it, we get this attitude. We don't want to obey. For whatever reason, some part of us fights against God. You know, Israel means, what does it mean? Struggles against God or fights against God. So, you know, it's been a constant theme of mankind that we we kind of tend to struggle wanting to obey God, but at the same time, part of us doesn't want to obey God. So it's something we have to get control of. Um, as far as the Lord's Supper goes, I mean, that too, yeah, it's a very simple ceremony that we do to remind us of the Lord, to remind us of what he's done for us. And it's very important in that, and we should, if, if we're not looking at that as a sincere and important holy thing, then we lose the whole benefit of it. Then you might as well just eat crackers and drink juice. It doesn't matter. So, I mean, yes? We're, we're all off the subject. It's okay. I, I hate the theory, once saved, always saved. Right. Uh, you're going down the wrong path if you believe that. That leads, when you, when you say that and when people think that and say that, that does. That gives them the mindset that they can do anything they want and they're still saved. And that's just not true. I mean, all, it doesn't. you don't have to read much in your Bible to find that that is not true. We know that we're saved and we're forgiven, but we have to continue to follow the Lord and follow God. Even, even though we're going to mess up, we're going to make mistakes, and at times we may even rebel and purposefully sin, but we need to keep coming back. Even when we fall, we need to get back up and come back to the Lord and keep being faithful and keep following. And... Uh, yeah, the once saved, always saved, it, it tempts you too much. That, that whole idea just tempts you to wander off and just do whatever you want, thinking you'll always be okay, and that's just not the case. So, does anyone have anything else on that before we... I know we've gotten all over, all off topic, and we'll come back to, to <laughs> the correct topic next week, but that's okay. All right, okay. So, uh, let's see, we'll come back to, okay, so we'll come back to verses 18 through 22 next week. We actually answered uh, question 12, so we'll come back to question 13. Thank you all for your time and participation.